magnify the name of Jesus. Come on, who came in this morning to magnify the name of Jesus? Who came in this morning to say thank you, Lord, for another day? You've given me this new day, and this day I'm going to use it to worship you. This day I'm going to use it to magnify you. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning. Come on, let's give the Lord a shout of praise this morning. I know it's early for some of you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If our children will stand, I'm not excluding anyone this morning. Hallelujah, we are here to give God glory. Amen? Come on, come on, clap your hands.
you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The Lord bless you. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated if you can. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. There's a spirit of shifting in there this morning. I don't know about you, but um, for those of us that were in the 9 a.m. service, I see the, the trend of the service this morning. closing days and if we don't if we don't get a grip of Jesus we're not gonna make it in we're not gonna make heaven our home we're gonna get left behind and um, I want my life to be one that that is exemplary that, you know, a few months ago, I had an injury on my right shoulder, 
And um, the pain is still there. The problem is still there. It's not yet fixed. But the little hurt that I got doing what I'm doing for the Lord, thankfully, you know, things are much better than the way it was. Saying this to say that my sister, um, older sister, live in Florida. She called and, you know, um, I spoke to her a couple of times. She called me while I was at Tuskegee uh, a couple of days ago. I told her I couldn't answer, answer uh, and I'll call her back. I didn't get to call her back until probably late in the evening. I didn't get her. So I finally get to talk with her. And um, she said, um, surgery went well. She actually has to be resurgent. Valentine Day, um, I said decided I was gonna I was not gonna go to church do anything. I told my wife, let's go go out somewhere to get a dinner or something. You know, I mean we're easy going, we're not fussy, so you know, so I say, okay, let's drive over to Pennsylvania. Here it was, I said, um, my oldest brother, <laughs> my other brother is in is in uh, in the hospital in, in, in Pennsylvania. I said, oh, so what's going on here? So I said, you don't mind? She said, all right, let's go over there. So we went there. I called my other sister that is in Maryland, and she said um, they're supposed to discharge him today. Um, so we called before we went over there, and they said he was still in a, a hospital there. So we went over. We sat with him for a few minutes. There were two nurses in there um, in the room attending to him and everything. He was getting ready to discharge. So we sat with him a little bit and, um, you know, talking with him, support so on. And then, of course, you know, we pray as we always do. But then, you know, I'm saying, Lord, our body goes through a lot. And sometimes we overwork our body in ways that sometimes we just can't help it. And other times we try to help it that we can when we can. But, you know, we wait for him to get discharged. We took him back, took him home and everything. We just stayed at his home for a minute or two. We went home, got something to eat, and we came back home. And um, but God's been good to us, you know. We 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 learn to trust God and put our faith in God. And church, don't give up on God. Uh, we're serving an awesome God, and only if we are connected to God, we're gonna receive or get what we need from the Lord. Amen. It's offering time. I don't want to bore us anymore. Um, I want to preach a man to come on and preach. Amen. Whatever the Lord have in store for him this morning. So I'm gonna invite the ushers to uh, come on up. And I'm going to invite the congregation, if you can stand with us this morning, amen, as we're getting ready to um, um, uh, receive our offering. Don't forget, if you have not yet, you know, we, we, we venture into our building, you know, um, you know, give a good offering. Be a blessing to our building fund project that we're currently working in, amen. Be a blessing to the Lord, amen. So we're going to invite you to stand with us if you can, as we get ready to receive this morning offering. Father God, we love you. We honor you, Lord God. We give you praise. There is none like you. There is none to compare, Lord God. As we're about to receive this morning's offering, Lord God, we ask your blessing, O God, upon every giver. Upon those who have to give, those who have not likewise, O God, that you'll make way so they too can be a blessing in your kingdom. Continue to bless the remaining portion of our service. Continue to bless our pastors, our leaders. 
and every family, oh God, in our congregation, our online congregation, bless them and be with them, oh God. We ask you to keep them, Lord God. I pray and ask you to help us to draw nigh unto thee as we look to you, Lord God. So we desire to continue to serve you. We give you glory and honor in the name of Jesus. Bring your tithes and offering unto the Lord.
Somebody say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. So good to be here in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. God has certainly been good to us. Woke us up, started us on our way, and here we are again. Amen. We're together again, and we're so thankful unto the Lord for all that he has done and all he continues to do in our life. Amen. I just want to say to um, this church that um, I, I can't tell you how much I really appreciate you, how we have just come together uh, in serving the Lord, and we've been doing all that we can to prepare for our first service in our new uh, church facility, and we have targeted March 12th at 10:30 for our first service, and so we're working towards that. We're preparing everything for you to be there March 12th, and um, for us to just have a great time of just celebration and you know just thanking God for all of His goodness. And so, all of you that have been just so diligent with your time, your effort, your energy, um, your prayers, your finances, everything that um, you have given to get us to this point. I just want to let you know that I really appreciate you. Thank you for all that you've done um, for just moving forward the kingdom of God. Um, you all have just been great, and I believe that we're going to see great things in the Lord. Um, one of the greatest things that we can do as a people, as God's people, is to unite, to be together, to be unified. Um, the Bible says how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity, for there the Lord command the blessings. And when we come together in unity and we are as one people, the blessings of the Lord will flow upon every one of us. And you will see it if you haven't already seen it. And God has been good to us. But thank you so much for just all that you are doing have done and continue to do in the kingdom of God. God has certainly been good to us, and we thank him. To our online faithfuls, uh, we have a wonderful online congregation that we're so so happy to um, have be a part of Christ Center Church. They've been stellar. Amen. I was told our, um, our what we call them now, um, our online greeter. <laughs> our online greeter, Paul Brantley, is on. And so I messed with him yesterday. I said, I said, make sure you're on tomorrow. So if you got to get your wife or one of your daughters around here to do something, let them do something. But just make sure you're on. Uh, Paul Brantley tell his family, especially in football season, he said, if you're going to call me, and this is what he said, Brother Darrell, you'll appreciate this. Paul Brantley said, he tell all his family, if you're going to call me on a Sunday, you have to call me before 1030. If you call me after 1030, you're not getting me. Because I'm in church. <laughs> and he says, and after church, I start watching football. So I won't deal with you for, a, you know, later, later down in Sunday. And he is a man of his word. People call him when he's in church. He doesn't listen to him. He doesn't answer them. And he's steady witnessing. I met some of his family members that he's been telling, you need to get online and be a part of my church. And they tell him to come to their church. He's like, no, no, no. You need to come to my church. <laughs> Oh, Jojo 44. Y'all didn't know that. So I found out yesterday that's his nickname. Jojo 44. Mm-hmm. So that's what all his friends, his buddies, all of his friends are, they've known him for over 30 years or longer. And so that, that's what they all call him, Jojo 44. He liked Hank Heron. Hank Heron was his favorite baseball player. And Hank Heron um, weared 44. So 
they call Paul Brantley Jojo 44. So we found that story out yesterday. But Mr. Brantley, good to have you on today. You know how much I love you. And uh, I'm so grateful for you and what God is doing in your life. Amen. If you will stand with me, we're going to go to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 8. Again, welcome all to Christ Center Church. Amen. Pretty soon we'll, we'll get to our one um, service on Sunday mornings. That's what we're working toward. And trust me, I'm looking forward to it because I know it's going to be um, great for everyone involved. We won't have to worry about breaking down after church. We can sit around and talk. Amen. If the Holy Ghost moves, you can roll around for as long as you want. We'll just tell you, turn the lights off when you leave. <laughs> That's the kind of church we want to have. The Holy Ghost and you just have a good time. And we just, you know, that will be the, 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 what all members need to know, that um, just turn the lights off when you leave as the Holy Ghost move on you. Nobody has to rush. This is our place, and uh, nobody can tell us to leave. Hallelujah. Genesis chapter 8. Man, you don't have to worry about setting up anymore. Man. This, you know, when you look back and realize we've been doing this for eight years, you're like, man, I don't know how we last that long doing that. But I appreciate all of you that every week, every week we do this stuff. Two more weeks, Brother Tom. What is it? Two more weeks? We have next week. Yeah, two more weeks. Two more weeks and that's it. Now, what we got to figure out is what we're going to do with some of these things. I got to ask Brother White, um, the sound system we'll give him, so the next person that starts a church, we'll give him the sound system trumpet. So the next person that starts up, we'll, 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 we'll give them a sound system when they start their church. Amen. So, um, But we got to start thinking about where we're going to put all the stuff that's here. It's not a lot. You got some speakers and stuff. Yeah, you, you can, you can, you'll figure it out. But let's be a blessing. That's That's the bottom line. We started out and people blessed us and so we want to make sure we be a blessing to others because we have been blessed for sure genesis chapter 8 verse number 15 the word of the lord says and god spake unto noah saying go forth of the ark thou and thy wife and thy sons and thy sons wives with thee bring forth with thee every living thing that is with thee of all flesh both of fowl and of cattle and of every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Watch this. That they may breathe abundantly in the earth and be fruitful and multiply upon the earth. Can we all understand and realize that this is from the beginning? And from the ver very beginning, God expected all living thing to breathe, to be fruitful, and to multiply. So once you arrived in this earth, God expected you to be fruitful and to multiply. He did. And so if you're not being fruitful and you're not multiplying, you need to get on the ball and start being fruitful and start multiplying. Somebody say amen. And Noah went forth and his sons and his wife and his son's wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing and every fowl and whatsoever creepeth upon the earth after their kind went forth out of the ark and Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings on the altar and the Lord smelled a sweet savor 
And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. Verse 22. While the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Oh, a lot is going on in those texts. Oh, a lot is going on. And with the help of the Lord, we will try to get some clarity and get to where God wants us to get to in all of what we have just read here today. I want to preach to you on this topic this morning. Faith inspires gratefulness. Faith inspires gratefulness. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Let's pray for um, our buddy, um, Paul Brantley, that God's will be done in his life and God will give him strength. Let's pray for uh, Mama Thomas. She had a little procedure last week and pray that God will touch her body and give her strength. Pray for Mama Allen. Um, who else that we need to mention in prayer? Amen. Pray for my grandmother, Pearl, um, that God will touch her body and uh, pray that God will completely have his way in this service. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Brother Crooks, we thank you, Lord God, for your goodness, for your word, for what you've done in our previous service. Lord, we call upon your name even now, asking, Lord, that your will be done in this service. You've already touched us. We've already experienced your presence. Now, Lord, let your word go forward and accomplish your purpose and your will. We open our heart to you tonight, today, that you may impart to us what you will and that you may do whatsoever you please. Father, have your way in us. Place me in the flow of your spirit and use me as your oracle. We pray and ask that the gifts of the Spirit will operate even now in this service. We pray that you would touch Mama Allen, give her strength and heal her and make her whole. We pray for Mama Thomas, that you would touch her body and make her whole and give her strength, Lord. We pray for Brother Crooks, that you would touch him and heal him and make him whole, Lord. And we pray for Paul Brantley, Lord God, that your will will be done in his life. Let him be encouraged, inspired, and, oh God, filled with joy. Let your will be done in his life even where he is right now let him experience your comfort and i pray that your angels will encamp round about him and right now your presence will manifest right now where he is we thank and pray you praise you for all these things we pray in jesus name somebody say amen amen you may be seated in the presence of the lord faith inspires gratefulness faith inspires gratefulness noah was a man of faith as we know this man whose name is recorded in hebrews 11 with the other heroes of faith because of his faith he is recorded with the rest of the other heroes of faith he had faith to walk with god when people of the world were ignoring and disobeying god I can't tell you what the population of the world was during the time of Noah, but what I will tell you is, in spite of the population, only eight people were saved 
as though a preach that God was going to rain down rain from heaven. And the only way to be saved from the destruction of the rain was that you would enter the ark and the ark would be the place of safety. And that's where you would be saved. Noah preached that message for over 120 years and only eight people were saved. His faith compelled him to serve the Lord and to be his witness, even when being an opposition to truth was not the popular thing. Or let me say it was the popular thing. Everybody opposed truth. When Noah was preaching truth, they opposed him and like, ah, whatever, old man. Now that the flood was over, he exercised faith to wait on the Lord before leaving the ark. When you have faith, you have what we say, the knowledge of who God is. Remember, yesterday as I visited with Paul Brantley, this is good. Oh, man. Some of y'all are learning some things. I was visiting with him, and I heard before I got there, you know, other, you know, clergy went and visit, and... What I always told you about faith, that faith is not just believe. I told you that many times. Some people are struggling to understand it because you've been taught that faith is just believe. It's not, it's not right. But let me give you a great example why it's not right. So other clergy went and told Paul Brantley, oh, man, we're going to pray, but you just got to believe. Tell me how that sounds. You don't think the man want to get well? You don't think the man want to get up out of that hospital? Sure he does. So there is no way he's not believing. And the word came back to me, says he was so mad at that man for telling him you just only got to believe because that man was presuming that he wasn't believing. That's why he's still there because he's not believing. Church faith is not just believing. It will lead you to destruction if you think that faith is only believing because there's a lot of things we believe that never happened. And so when you believe stuff that didn't happen, what does that mean? You don't have faith? Or will you come to the place of realizing that God is sovereign and God do whatever he wants to do, regardless of what I say or regardless of what I... You think that we pray to tell God what to do? We can't tell God what to do. He's God. The Bible says he's omniscient. You know what that means? He knows everything. None of us know everything. So we don't pray and tell God what to do. We pray and ask. We pray and submit. We pray and declare his word. But we can't pray and tell God what to do because God ain't listening to what we tell him. Not unless we're telling him what his word says. And so my buddy, this, he, he embodied what I've been saying. That faith has nothing to do with just believing. Faith is about having the knowledge of who God is and that God is sovereign and God does whatever he wants to do. So my man demonstrated faith yesterday by letting people know this ain't just about believing. This is about understanding that God is sovereign and he do whatever he wants to. But if you don't know that about God, you're going to keep walking around thinking faith is just, I just believe it. I just believe. Brother Truth, you can believe till Jesus comes. If you're wrong in your belief, you're going to be wrong when he comes. 
So faith is not just believing. Faith is knowing who God is and understanding God's purpose and how God works so you can go and be in harmony with what God is doing. So when you have faith, that's what you try to do. <coughs> you try to work with God in his way. As God is doing, you just, you just get in the flow. You always hear me pray, God, place me in the flow of your spirit. Because that's how I'm going to be effective is flowing with God, not doing what I want. <laughs> and so Noah's faith compelled him to serve the Lord and to be his witness, even when being an opposition to truth was the popular thing. So they got off the ship. Flood was over, and Noah, before he left the ship, he exercised faith by asking God, when should he leave the ark? After being confined to the ark for over a year, he and his family must have yearned to get back on dry land. I love the cruise too, but I don't know about a whole year. <laughs> but they waited for God's direction. They never got off the ship, the ark, until they received God's instructions. So they waited. Can see these kids now. I'm waiting to do something for the Lord. And they're like, Dad, why don't we just do this? Because I'm waiting on the Lord. <laughs> Circumstances on the earth looked suitable for their disembarking, but that was no guarantee that God wanted them to exit immediately and begin their new life. After the, the Lord has done something major for us, we should never be ignorant enough to not trust him from that point on. When the Lord has done something great in your life, when the Lord has shown you who he is, we should never be foolish to do anything against his will or to ignore him from that point on. Because we know that if he did that, he can do this. If he did that, he can do it again. So after the Lord has done anything great, major for us, we should be confident in who he says he is, what he's able to do, and what he says he will do. I don't understand why we do so much planning and try to do all this stuff on our own and, and leave the Lord out. And then every once in a while, we, we, we eventually try to insert, well, you know, God's will be done when we just leave and go do whatever we want. Noah demonstrated to us what Romans 10 and 17 says, which says, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So when you have heard from God, you come to learn who God is. And when you know who God is, you know you don't try to do anything without him. Noah preached for more than 120 years, but majority of the then world did not respond to the preached word in obedience. Mm -hmm. They did not take his message seriously, and the world of that day perished. Only eight people saved. Don't fall into the same trap like the then world fell into. Because it ain't never happened, I can't see it happening. It had never rained before. The whole time Noah's preaching about it's going to rain and the whole world will be, flown, will, be, will be flooded and overflown and the flood is going to reach up into the trees and the mountains. He probably didn't know that. God is, you know, when you learn God, God probably didn't tell Noah how high the flood would be, but he told him that it was going to rain and flood the whole world. He probably didn't give him all the details. And so Noah preached and preached and preached for 120 years. 
the flood came, the rain came, and people was probably astonished when water started falling from the sky because it had never happened before. Before then, water came up. The mitts came up from the ground and watered the plants and the grass and the trees and moisture came from rivers and all of that stuff. That's how things were watered. It had never rained down from the sky ever until that day the rain came. And so today, people are doing the same thing like they did back then. Because they can't fathom Jesus appearing in the sky and bringing his church with him. He says, the dead in Christ shall rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord and so when you think about that you're saying dead in Christ how is that going to work and what kind of body we're going to have and how we're going to get up in the sky and and it's cool that you got all those questions let's go back to Noah's time rain water come out how is that possible that that never happened before how could and then not only is it going to come, is it going to be enough to flood this whole world? Oh, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, Jesus in the sky. Nah, that ain't possible. Church, you hear me and hear me good. Because it never happened before or because you can't imagine or fathom it, don't mean it won't happen. We have proof that this thing has happened before where what God said that seems so impossible became possible because God can't lie and whatever he says it will come to pass he cannot lie his word will always come to pass and so he says that one day he's going to return for his people that's his word what was it that caused the population to reject God's word and they perished what made people reject what Noah was saying oh he's just a man like me all these things that you all have heard and are hearing still, it's, it existed before today. <laughs> they were like the people spoken about in Matthew 24, 37, who were occupied with the ordinary things of daily life and unconcerned about eternity. Church, can I tell you, I mentioned this morning and it's worth mentioning again. When you start to live your life and it becomes full and you've got a lot of things going on in your life, the only way to live a productive life is by living your life according to priority. Whatever is the most important thing in your life, you order your life that way. If you don't order your life that way, you're going to be consumed and confused and you will look around and realize I didn't get anything done. And look what you're dealing with that the old timer didn't deal with. You got to deal with Instagram. You got to deal with, with Facebook. You got to deal with text messages. You got to deal with Zoom meetings and in-person meetings. You got to deal with phone calls. You've got to deal with a whole lot of other things that will distract you. I gave them the example of sometimes you set out. This happens to me all the time. I'm working on something. Phone call come in. Uh, let me just take this. And that take me right off my stride because I started talking and forgot to go back to that. And so what you have to do is prioritize. Yesterday I was visiting with Paul Brantley and I'm there and I saw an email came from one of my mentors, Carlton Coon. He sent me an email and it says, Brother White, and I saw it was an important email. But I'm with Paul Brantley at the time and that was the most important thing for me to do. 
And so I'm sitting there with him and we're talking and, you know, we're having a good time and, you know, and praying all that stuff. And I said to myself, I will respond to um, Brother Kuhn in a little bit. However, when I got home, I need to continue preparing for today. That's more important than responding to that email at that time. And so that's what I did. And so now today after church, after I got done, get done doing some other things that are important, I'll respond to his email probably later on down in the evening. Now, this is a mentor of mine that is, you know, man of God, awesome man of God, that when he says something, I'm on it. But if I don't live my life prioritizing my life, I will get lost and eaten up by everything that's going on. And you have to do the same thing if you want to make it in to the kingdom and eternally be saved because Eternal life is priority number one. Eternal life is priority number one. Your relationship with Jesus Christ, priority number one. It's one and the same. My relationship with Christ, eternal life, priority number one. Everything else better come after that. We have to order our life that way. And if we start... If we don't start ordering our life that way, we will realize that we will not experience eternal life in Christ. Because what what you put your time into is where you're going to, that's what's going to, you're going to be rewarded with. Whatever you invest most of your time, that's going to be your greatest reward. If you put all of your effort and time, most of it into, into the Lord, then that's what you will reap the most in your life. Matthew 24 and 37 says, but as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so also the coming of the Son of Man be. When Jesus cracked the sky, it's too late to get saved. <coughs> when Jesus is in the sky pulling his church to him, it's too late. Don't think that he can appear in the sky and then now you think you can repent real quick. It don't work that way. When the people realized that it was going to flood, I'm sure when a couple of raindrops came down, a couple of minds was like, hmm, you felt what I felt? Is that legit? Well, let's see. And they kept on going about their business. They kept on feeling it. And then they became accustomed to it. And it kept raining. And it probably for a minute there was like, wow, this is interesting. And then it starts to flood a little bit. Oh, oh, oh. It's looking a little serious now. And by the time the water rose, they realized this is what Noah was talking about. This is what this joker was preaching about for over 120 years. You know what? We probably need to head to that um, ark that he built. When, he got, when they got there, what happened? Who shut the door? God says, I am God and I change not. 
his principles are still the same. So even though we're not dealing with an ark at his return this time around, the principles still will be the same. That if we don't get in sooner rather than later, we're going to miss out. And when we think that, oh, maybe I can get in and slip in last minute, it's going to be too late. It doesn't work that way. You have to work toward God tell you you need to work toward so you can get ready for when he returns. You don't want to get there when it's too late. Those people back there, they believe that life would go on as always had that nothing would change. That's what they thought back then in Noah's days. Ah, life is just life. How many people you get around that just think that, hey, you know, we just live and we die. Life is just life. Mm-hmm. They said that God wouldn't invade the world or interrupt the scheme of things, but he did. People today have the same attitude concerning the return of the Lord Jesus like it's no big deal. 1 Peter 3 and 20, it says, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The same thing that they were going to be saved by is the same thing that destroyed those that didn't respond in obedience. <laughs> Can I tell you a secret? God don't reject or accept anyone. His word does his work. You either obey God's word or you reject God's word. So you really set up what your future is, not God. God laid it out and you determine what you want to do. So God's word will either condemn you or save you. The same word. It doesn't change. If you obey it, it saves you. If you reject it, it condemns you. The same word. You either obey it and be saved or you ignore it or reject it and be lost. In verse, in verse 21 of the same text we're reading, it says, The light figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Does anyone or can anyone tell me a different way the, the world back then could have been saved if they weren't in the ark? Can anybody think of another way that they could have escaped the flood of the world and never got destroyed if they weren't in the ark? No other way? So why do we think there's different ways to get saved today? Why are we thinking there's different ways? Well, God understands. I wish we can. I wish we can just really be real with ourselves when we're talking about God and stop deceiving ourselves. You think that God back then 
said, this is the way you're going to save, get saved. And, and then today he said, well, you know, I, I kind of realized that I need to kind of be a little bit more flexible. Let me be a little bit more flexible. Because you know what? So many people got lost back then because they didn't obey me. I want more people to get. So let me just get a little bit more flexible so more people can get saved. I am God and I change not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am no respecter of persons. What I said then is what I mean now. It never changes. So we can't look for another way to get saved. Listen, you cannot risk it. It's only one way to get saved. So we can't have more than one baptism. You can't tell me you got baptized in the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, and it's the same thing. There are churches now, you know what they're doing? I baptize you in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, which is Jesus. Because that's how they're feeling like they're covering it. Whoever church that's doing that, pastor, if you're hearing me, let me tell you, that's not written in the Bible. It sounds good. I baptize you the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, which is the name of Jesus. It sounds good. The question is, where is it written in the scripture that way? That's the question. So you can make something sound good. You can say this is the same, but I want you to come at me when I start preaching some gospel to you that sounds good, that ain't in the Bible. You better come tell me, preacher, you're preaching some gospel that sounds good, but I don't see it written. And so there's only one way to get baptized according to the scripture. The people that were baptized in the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost, when Paul met those people, he said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believe? They said, we have not yet heard whether there be a Holy Ghost. He says, how then were you baptized? They said, we were baptized according to the baptism of John, the baptism of repentance. He says, well, well, you need to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And guess what? They says, okay. And Paul prayed. They got baptized. Baptized in Jesus' name, Paul prayed for them, and they received the Holy Ghost, and they didn't fuss and fight with nobody, because all they wanted to do was do what's right. Not argue with somebody about what's right or wrong. Not try to make my case right. There's only one way to get saved. Way back then, from the very start, there was only one way. It's still one way today. You can't mix God's word. You can't make it sound the way you want it to sound. It has to be the written word. And if you want to go check me out, the Bible says in Revelation, you shall not add or take away from my word. When you go out there, you talk about I baptize you in the Father, Son, Holy Ghost, which is Jesus. You just add. You just add to the word of God. It's not a legitimate baptism. One way to get saved. Not two ways. Not believe in your heart. Not confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Not baptize in title. There's only one way. I don't know why the Lord has been having me just get into this stuff about this baptism and about the Holy Ghost and about one God like this in these last few days. I don't know why, but he just, just, just got it 
just in me. We cannot be saved except we obey the Lord's plan of salvation for our life. And baptism is part of that plan. Repentance, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, and living a holy and righteous life are the completion of the plan of salvation. There's no other way. What kind of God is that? He just only has one way for us to be saved because he's one God. He says one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one baptism, one God and Lord and Father over us all and in us all. One God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So unfortunately, people don't like when we tell them this, but God is a God of oneness. They don't like that. God is a God of oneness. He don't confuse us. One. He got one way to be saved because he's one God. He's one Father. He's one Lord. He is, he's got one way for us to live as Christians, not no multiple ways. And so for those of us that have grabbed onto the tradition of the Trinity, we want to fight and try to make it our way. But listen, I'm not here to go by anything anybody tell me except for what's written in the book. That's what I want. I want what's written in the book. I don't care about tradition. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Watch this. By faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of righteousness, which is by faith. I got faith. I got faith. I got faith. Can you look at Noah's life? What faith means? You see, you see, you see, you see what it means? Once Noah become familiar with the almighty God, when the Lord spoke to him, he didn't just say, I believe. His life started showing he believed. He started doing some work. And because of it, he got saved. To think that we can only confess with our mouth and believe in our heart with no works, we're losing our mind. To think that we can be saved by doing anything other than what God tells us, we're losing our mind. After Noah stepped out of the ark and stood on the renewed earth, Noah was filled with gratitude that his first act was to lead his family in worship. So here's the meat of what I'm trying to tell you today, because I'm preaching to you on this topic. Faith inspires gratefulness. And here is the meat and the core of what I'm saying to you. I had to tell you about faith and how you behave when you say you have faith. But here is the core of what I'm preaching to you today. When the Lord told Noah, OK, you can go off the ark now. Noah got off the ark and God didn't say to Noah, Noah. You see how I kept you? You see how everybody is gone, demolished, and now it's just you and your family? You see that, Noah? God didn't say that to Noah. Noah didn't look around and says, well, to God be the glory. Because we got saved and all the other people got destroyed. Man, I'm blessed and highly favored. That's not what Noah got off the ark and did. Nobody told Noah to do what he did when he got off the ark. 
the first thing Noah did when he got off the ark was build an altar and worship God. That's what he did. So his faith inspires him to become grateful for what God has done. And if we say we have faith, we better be inspired and show our gratitude by what and not just what we say. Noah stepped off the ark. And when he stepped off, the first thing he did was worship God without nobody egging him on and said, come on, Noah, you need to do right. God has been good to you. We come to church oftentimes and somebody got to tell us, oh, God's been good. Shouldn't we worship him? Or we got to hear people sing to worship God. Can't we have gratefulness just knowing that God has been good to us? Just knowing that God has saved us. Just knowing that God has kept us. Just knowing that God has spoken to us. Just knowing that God is protecting us. Just knowing that God is providing for us. Shouldn't we just give him praise? Shouldn't we just worship him without any encouragement? I believe we're missing a whole lot that God has in store for us because we are not demonstrating gratefulness. Why aren't we more grateful to God? Forget about what you say. We learn by now that saying that you're grateful is not anything. It's what you do to demonstrate that you're grateful that means something. And saying that you're grateful is not enough. It's what you do to show that you're grateful. That's how you say, I'm grateful. That's how you say you're grateful. You're grateful. You appreciate God. Nobody got to tell you anything. Nobody got to prop you up and say, come on, let's worship today. You will just demonstrate worship unto God because you're gratefulness to him. My God. Oh, Noah, help us. Noah built an altar and offered up the clean animals as a sacrifice unto the Lord. Noah's Listen to me, Noah's, Noah's altar is the first altar mentioned in the Bible. First altar. You didn't hear about an altar. Cain and Abel offered sacrifice. Adam offered sacrifice, but you didn't read that they offered it upon an altar. When you read about altar the first time, it was this scripture when Noah built an altar unto the Lord because he was grateful unto the Lord. When you're grateful to God, you will do things without anybody telling you. You will come up with things that only you could have come up with to show God how much you're grateful unto God. Some people don't want to be a part of the church because they believe that being a part of the church, the church be wanting you to do too much. Is it the church or is it God? And that's where people are failing. They're not reading their Bible to see if it's the church that's telling them to do something or is the preacher just echoing God's word so it's really God telling them to do something. <coughs> it's not about the church, church. It's about the head of the church. His name is Jesus. Noah demonstrated an attitude of gratitude. His faith inspired gratefulness. The Lord didn't tell Noah what he should be grateful for. 
Noah just naturally worshipped God to demonstrate his gratefulness unto the Lord. The Lord saved him and his family and he was grateful. So grateful that he demonstrated that gratefulness by worshipping the Lord. We should have church services where people just come and start worshipping. We should have a lot more church services where we don't have to hear preaching. Because the people of God should be responding to God in gratefulness. They should come in, like the scripture says, entering his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good, his mercy everlasting, his truth endureth to all generations. We should enter the house of God with praise and thanksgiving. We should enter the house of the Lord with gratefulness with gratitude and sometimes the praise singers need to come afterward. Let us get in the house of God and worship. Let us get in the house of God and praise Him. Let us get in the house of the Lord and begin to pray prayers of thankfulness that later on when the praise singers come and they sing there's a different kind of move of God in His house because the atmosphere had already been made because of the worship and the prayers of the saints of God that was grateful to enter his gates with thanksgiving and his course with praise. Gratefulness. Faith is supposed to inspire gratefulness. We're too laid back in how we're living for God. We're too casual in how we're living for God. If you, if you begin to look back and say, why was Noah being like that? Because Noah was grateful. Noah had gratitude and thankfulness for what God had done for him. And he wanted God to know how much he appreciated. I believe there are untapped blessings that's locked up because we have, we have not released them because we are not being grateful to God. I'm not telling you you're grateful and God just do something extra. I believe when you demonstrate gratefulness, there are different things that will happen within your soul, within your spirit, that you will begin to see differently and that you will begin to move in a different way because you can see when you're grateful, things happen differently. But when you're just wanting the next thing and the next thing, we talk about our kids today, they have this great entitlement spirit and that's killing them because when you have entitlement spirit, the way you function is this, what's the next thing? As soon as you get the first thing, what's the next thing? And after you get it, what's the next thing? You ever watch a kid that's getting multiple Christmas presents at Christmas morning? You ever watch them? Watch them. When these kids that realize they get two and three and five and six presents, watch them Christmas morning. Okay. What's the next one? Entitlement. Entitlement. Not showing no appreciation. And we as adults are doing the same thing to God. 
What's next, God? What's the next blessing? Where are you going to take me next? What are you going to provide for me next? What's next? And I am going to make sure we don't overlook what God has just done for this church. He opened up a great big door for us to walk into and gave us that provident for tennis score for us to fill the place with lost souls and to worship him and to give him honor and praise. And I will not allow this church to not be grateful. I will not allow this church to talk about what What's next? Because we need to appreciate what God has done. Not look, what's next, God? Where's the next miracle, God? You're going to bless me again, God? Oh, God, we will not do that. We will be grateful in how we behave for what God has done for us. And we will keep on celebrating until he decides to take us to the next thing. Because your gratefulness will cause you to be patient and wait upon the Lord. When you're grateful, you're just basking in such gratefulness of what God is doing that you won't be worried about the next thing. Because you're just so appreciating the last thing that he had done. When he's ready to take you into the next thing, he will do it. Elijah was a good one. Elijah was by the brook. And the Lord allowed Elijah to be taken care of at that brook. Raven came and fed him and everything. And Elijah was just enjoying it. He's a good example. He was just enjoying it. He wasn't looking to go no place else. He says, God, if you sustain me here, I am going to stay right here. And the Lord knew when he wanted to change how he was going to sustain Elijah. He let the brook dry up. And so when the brook dried up, that's when Elijah said, I guess I need to leave this place. That's how you want to operate. That's how you want to operate. We in this church have learned that. And thank God that we've experienced that. We came here in in April of 2014. And we didn't care what nobody thought. We were in the firehouse. And as a matter of fact, it got to the point where we became proud to be in the little firehouse. And because of that, our organization promoted our church to say, man, you know about that church that's inside the firehouse? No, we didn't act like, oh, man, we need to find a better place. No. We were proud to be in the firehouse and we enjoyed being in the firehouse and we stayed here because the Lord was sustaining us in this firehouse. He sustained us for eight years inside this firehouse. And guess what? Then he dried up everything because it was time to leave. You might not know this, but this fire state, this this room in this fire station, after we leave here, it will not be available for anybody else. Just recently, I've got some information that because of the different things that's going on within the township, they're going to close. I even heard somebody say, we might have to board up that room, this room that you're in. So the Lord sustained us here for eight years because why? He sent us here. He told us to be here and he sustained us for eight years and he knew why it was eight years. We don't know why it was eight years. Why wasn't it seven, Lord? I don't know. He waited till eight years. Then he opened his door wide open and sent us to Fort Tennis Court. When we got to Fort Tennis Court, remember what I told you. When I reached out to the, um, the when God told me to call the, the realtor for this place, I called her and she said, it's under contract. When I called for Fort Tennis Court, they said it's under contract. And I said to her, because the Lord had told me to call, I said to her, if that contract situation doesn't work out, make sure we're first in line to get the offer. I called her two weeks later. 
Yeah, Wayne, it's still under contract. I called her a month later. She said, it's a little shaky there, Wayne. In my mind, I wanted to say, it's not going to work, Jamie. Just come back my way. I, I couldn't say that. I couldn't say that. I couldn't say that. But in my mind, I already knew. And so, and so, so that when I called on the fourth week, I said, all right, Jamie, you know, I told you, put me in the, in the line. She said, you know what, Wayne? I'm going to talk to the owner and tell him I think he should offer it to you guys. Sure enough, she went and talked to the owner. And the owner said, yeah, that guy is moving too slow. Offer it to the church. The church said to him, Mr. Owner, we just want to lease the own as of right now because we knew we know this, this, this property is not zoned for church. So guess what, Mr. Owner, Mr. Mr. Seller? We need to apply to get a use variance in order to purchase the place. And so we need to lease the own. Mr. Owner says, all right, if that's what you want to do. About a month later, Mr. Owner told the realtor, tell the church, don't worry about it. Tell them they need to buy it outright, and I'll give them the amount of time that they need to go get the use variance. What person you know own a property for $1.7 million that want to delay the sale for one year? When you can take your money and run. I heard there were people, there was a property down the street from where I, our property is right now. Another property that was being sold for $1.9 million. Same agency that was representing, well, they weren't representing us, but they were working with us. Same agency, they said, someone called the owner and says, I'll offer you straight up cash, $1.7 right now for that property. And the guy said, done. That's the kind of stuff that was going on at the time for real estate. People were doing all kinds of stuff to get it. And this man is telling us, all right, hold tight, we'll sell it to you. Don't worry about it. Just go get your zoning stuff and all that stuff, and we'll send it to you. Because what God has set in stone and what God has set in place, nobody can do anything about it. And when God is saying, this is what I'm doing in your life, you have to trust him and hold to it and know that God will take you through no matter what. God has done something great for us. And we should not be fooling around. We should be grateful and demonstrate that gratefulness in so many ways. Because if you don't know, because sometimes you're saying, well, what about me? I'm looking at my personal life and so many things are just off and not working right. If you're in among the body where God is doing great things, you will be fine. You will be fine. Just stay in the body. Stay with among the people that God is just blessing and working in there, you're going to be fine. Sometimes we just have to go through certain things in order for us to get to where God has taken us. And that doesn't mean that it's all going to be great all the time. But one thing you know, the church that you belong to, God's hand is upon it like this, like this, like, like this. You know, somebody pawn, something like this. God's hand is upon your church that you belong to. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you God and is not up on all the other churches. I am sharing our experience. Let you know God has been in control since day number one. And like I'm, I'm right there with you from day, at day number one. I doubted. I told you all I shared the, shared the, uh, the, 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 the testimony that when we started this church, when we started doing Bible study, forget about church service. In April, we started Bible study. And when we started Man, every Thursday at 7.15, I'm standing in that glass door because we used to come in in the front. I'm standing in the glass door saying, I wonder if anybody going to come tonight. And then Daryl would come and Sister Hydea would come and 
she'll bring her family and a couple people here and they would come and we just moving right along. But it didn't matter. Every week, I'm in the mirror, in the, in, the, in the window. Anybody coming? And we did that for a while. So trust me, when I first started out too, even though I felt like I knew I heard from God, I still was wondering, did I hear from God? But God will start to do some things in your life that you will know it's him. And once he start doing the things that you know is him, you better not back up. You better not start second guessing. You better not start to talk foolishness. Because once you know it's God, just go full steam ahead. And whatever God is telling you, just go ahead and do it. Faith inspires gratefulness. I'm almost done here. Hebrews 13 and 15 says, by him, therefore, let us offer up a sacrifice of praise to God continually, which is that that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Noah's faith inspired gratefulness. He walked with the Lord in loving communion and enjoyed his presence. He served the Lord in building the ark and he witnessed for the Lord as a preacher of righteousness. While in the ark, he waited on the Lord for instructions concerning his, his leaving. And once he was standing on the earth, he worshiped the Lord. Worship means in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, when you said you worship, it means you gave the entire animal or bird to the Lord with nothing kept back. All of it was on the altar. And that was the biblical law because the sacrifice symbolized total dedication to the Lord. That's what sacrifice symbolized. Total dedication to the Lord. So today we're not giving them animals. We're not giving them birds. But what we're giving them today is ourselves. We are the sacrifice. And we give ourselves in total commitment. And we worship him to say, God, I worship you. The altar that Noah built represented obedience and gratitude and dedication and propitiation. And it represented togetherness and family. That altar was just more than just something that was built. And so I close by telling you this. The Lord Jesus will always receive our worship and our praise if it's offered up with the right spirit and attitude, faith and gratitude. If you will have the right attitude and you will have the right spirit and you will offer up praise and worship unto the Lord, he will smell it. Sweet smelling savor. Because it was offered up the right way. And so that's what God wants from all of us. Right spirit, right attitude. And if we demonstrate an attitude of gratitude, God will receive our worship, our praise, our gratitude, our thanksgiving unto him. Let's stand. While the earth remained at seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer, and winter, and day, and night shall not cease. <laughs> Let me tell you something, why I read that text. We look sometimes for reasons why we need to doubt, or why we need to not obey God. That text that we just re read 
in Genesis 8, what was that? I believe it was 22, where it talked about the seasons and the times. Can I tell you this? For all of us that will try to discredit or to act like we don't have to listen to God, he's going to come back and judge us strongly. Because we are listening to God in other ways that we want to listen to him at. What do you mean by that, preacher? Farmers farm according to the seasons. We, we dress ourselves according to the seasons. We know when winter is coming, we bring our heavy clothes to the front of the closet. We know when summer is coming, we bring our light clothes to the front of the closet. We respond to the seasons. Farmers respond to the seasons. And this is how we conduct our life all the time. Maybe we ought to just ask people without getting deep and witnessing, Brother Cal, just say, where did seasons come from? Maybe we just need to ask them that. We don't have to get deep into one God. Maybe we just need to say, you ever thought about what, where season came from? Because we let it control us. We abide by seasons all the time. That's how we get our harvest all the time. Because we plant at a certain time. And we reap at a certain time. We water at a certain time. And all that stuff. So that's how we get our crop. By following the seasons. I wonder where seasons came from. And then every year. We always experience, no matter how crazy it might get, we always experience winter, spring, summer, fall. Why do we always experience that? Why, why is it always happening? Why do we always experience it? And these are some of the things that we're going to have to give an account for. We think we can weasel and slip our way into heaven because we got it all worked out in our mind as to what God is accepting and what he's not. But we're going to be in for rude awakening if we don't stop and realize what we're doing. God created the seasons. It's written clear as day. We just read it. He established seasons. He established the weather that we will experience. Harvest. Spring. A time for sowing, a time for reaping. He established all that. He established that we got to, it's cold out at a certain time, it's hot at a certain time, it's springtime at a certain time, autumn time at a certain time, and we all conduct our lives accordingly. So why is it that we follow that, but we don't follow the rest of the word of God? How will we explain that to God? That God, we obey your word for what you have established, seasons and, and times. But you know what, God? We just didn't believe you needed to be baptized in Jesus' name. How are we going to reconcile that? That we follow some of what he has established, but other things we reject. What he's not true? Is he a God that changes? Is he a God that deceives or trick us? Or does he stay the same? Our faith should be inspiring our actions of gratefulness. 
We can't just say we have faith. We can't just say we're Christians. If that's true, we need to demonstrate an attitude of gratefulness. I don't know if you remember when the ten lepers went to Jesus and got healed. (coughs) They had leprosy, sick, and Jesus got them all healed. Of the ten lepers, only one came back. This is why I know what I'm talking about is very essential that we get a hold of. Gratefulness. Only one came back. You want to hear something? Oof. Now I got it. Now I got it. I knew what I was saying, but I don't always tap into it right away. The nine lepers that got healed, all they got was healed. The one that came back to be grateful, whether we received it or saw it in the scripture, I'm telling you, he got saved. The Bible says, now go and be whole. The one that came back. So the, the ten, the nine, the, for, for a moment there, all ten of them were healed. Only one was made whole. So there was more dimensions to what God wanted to do for them. But because they didn't demonstrate gratefulness, they never entered into the other dimension that God had for them. Oh, you can live on the peripheral of what God wants to do and just get the trinkets, maybe the crumbs off the table. But that's not what God has in store for you. What God has for you is abundance. What God has for you is wholeness. What God has for you is more than enough. Not just some little bit of crumbs and some trinkets. So don't you just be satisfied with just a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Your faith needs to inspire gratefulness. Because when you're grateful, you unlock so much more of what God has in store for you. Ah. Come on, let's worship the Lord today. I shouldn't have to tell you to worship Him. I shouldn't have to tell you to praise Him. I shouldn't have to tell you to give Him honor. Because God is great and greatly to be praised. God is great and greatly to be praised. He is so good to us. He's been more than good to us. And we ought to be grateful unto Him. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we're grateful today. We're grateful today. We give you our heart. We give you our mind and our soul. We surrender all to you today, Lord, for we're grateful. We're thankful. We have a gratitude, oh God, of how good you've been to us, for how you've blessed us, for how you're keeping us. Oh, there is none like you. There is none like you, Jesus. There is none like you. There is none like you, Jesus. There is none like you. We give you the praise and the honor. We give you the praise and the honor. I bless your name. You are so good. Your your mercy, it endures forever, Lord God. Your kindness, your mercy. Oh, God, I am so grateful, Lord God. And I just will not say I'm grateful just by words that I speak. But I will show you, God, I'm grateful. I give myself to you. I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you my spirit. I give you my strength. All that I am. All that I can be, Lord God. Oh, Lord, 
it's up to you, Lord God. I surrender completely. And I say, God, thank you today. I thank you, Lord God. I thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, for your goodness. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your kindness, Lord God. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. I am so thankful, Lord. I am so thankful, Lord. You've been good to us, Lord God. You have blessed us, Lord God, more than we could ever imagine. Oh, God, we don't deserve such goodness, but you have been so good to us. We don't deserve such kindness, but you have been so good to us. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you grateful today, church? Are you, are you grateful today unto the Lord? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I adore you, great God. I adore you, great God. I adore you. I adore you. Oh, God, help us today that we will no longer be bound, Lord God, by the works of the flesh, that we will no longer be bound by worldliness, that we will not no longer be bound by ungratefulness, Lord God, that we will be grateful to you. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Your soul, 
Only you can express your gratefulness. No one can truly express your gratefulness for you. You are the only one that can express your gratefulness in the right way. Father, we thank you for your word today. God, we don't want to just be on the wheel and keep spinning around, keep spinning around and not experience transformation and not experience deliverance. Let something stick. Let something happen within our spirit, Lord God, that change will take place, Lord God. That we will begin to enter the house of God in a different way. That we will walk with you in a different way. That we will live for you in a different way. change in us, that gratefulness will overtake us, that we can explore a different dimension in you. As we go from this place, will you keep your hands upon us, Lord? We give you the praise and the honor. We thank you today, Lord. In Jesus' name. Our buddy, Joshua, Brother Josh, praise God. Good to have you on today. And all the people that joined us online today, so good to have you. All of you that are here today, God bless you. Have a wonderful rest of your day.